0: On the computer. Okay. So we're back in Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to be picking it up at verse 6. Just a, a, a couple of things and in, in thoughts in that. And then we'll be beginning and starting our, our study from 8 through 19, hopefully today. So let's take a look and read this, if you don't mind. Um, in Colossians chapter 2, and verse 6, it says So then, just as you, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Um, see uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in putting off the sinful nature, not with circumcision done by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sin, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of things that were to come. The Reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the pride. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions, he has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. All right, I wanted to go back just uh, uh, for a, 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 a couple of minutes and talk about uh, receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. We looked last week about the idea of how we're to be thankful in all of this and that we need to be rooted and grounded in Him, and strengthened in our faith. But faith, excuse me. But um, I we, I really didn't do a good job of just talking about receiving Christ as Lord. We talked about Christ as Lord, and, and Christ Jesus as Lord, and the importance of that perspective. But it was the word receiving that I really wanted to make sure that we drilled down just a little bit on. Because today... Uh, the idea of receiving Christ is a common uh, term, especially in evangelical circles, and it means something different today than it meant back then. And, and that's why I wanted you to understand the difference. You know, Today we think of uh, uh, believers who receive Christ by inviting him into our hearts. You know, and that's a typical uh, term that we use. And I'm not disagreeing we shouldn't, that we shouldn't use that. That's an, another discussion for another time, perhaps. But the idea of this word, to receive, is really a technical term that comes from Judaism. It, it refers to the idea of the transmission of teaching from one person or from one generation to another. You notice the difference between how that plays out. Then to receive Christ means that we learn from from the teaching of one person or the transmission of, of of ideas and concepts from one person to another or from one generation to another. Is what what would what would be a better what would be another way of describing that? And there's silence. Um, Discipleship. Can I speak? I can do it. Okay, can okay. I try
1: it? I answer, but go for it. Uh, it gives me the idea of when uh, an ambassador is being received by a president of another country, I believe, is not only um, a presence in the country, but as a personal audience with the president. And Paul says, uh, He described the Messiah, the Lord, in a specific way in my translation. As you therefore have received Christ, the one that died on the cross, Jesus, which is Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord, as you have received him, means to accept fully who Jesus Christ is. Yep. It's like a, a it's entering in His presence and be a, a knowledge of His position, and who he is. Okay. And, specifically, it's the Lord. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say the Son of God, it doesn't say uh, an Emissary, but the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's preeminency.
0: Yep.
1: Good. So the idea
0: here is, that is uh, the emphasis that, that where I'm headed, though, is the idea of receive. So receive is really another way of saying teaching or another way of saying discipling, giving all of the information you have about one person to the next person so that they understand who Jesus is, who they understand who Christ Jesus the Lord is. Which is exactly what Giuseppe was talking about. So it's a, it's, it, it's a, it's not going to happen with just one time. It's going to happen over a period of time over. A, it's what Matthew says in, in, uh, uh, in, in chapter 28 at the end of the of the chapter, it says go into all the world and make disciples teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. That That's the whole purpose. And that's the idea of receiving. In fact, I think I did mention this a little bit last time. I think um, in First Corinthians 15, uh, I think that's wrong. I don't think that passage is right. I don't think it's First Corinthians. It's First Corinthians. I don't think it's 15. I think it's another passage uh, in Corinthians. Um, it talks about, "For what I have received, I pass on to you um, uh, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures." We use that. You'll often hear that when you're doing communion, Mm -hmm. that particular passage. That idea of, I've received from the Lord, what I've received from the Lord I pass on to you, that's what we're talking about. It's the idea of transmitting the information that you have about something, and specifically in this case, Christ Jesus, to others. So it's a process. It's not going to happen immediately, but it is going to happen. In fact, it's in... in, um, uh, Colossians chapter, uh, no, Colossians, 1 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three. I don't know why I've got that. Um, I have the wrong passage in there. I knew that as soon as I looked at, it, I go, that's not right. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, go on from there. Uh, be, and I wanted to talk to you now about from verses eight through nineteen because. We look at at two specific tenets of the faith, and I think we started talking about this a little bit last week, but let's just continue with the idea of soteriology and sanctification. Soteriology is what? The study of salvation. Salvation. Very good. Yes. It's the study of salvation. So we're going to be looking at salvation, we're going to be looking at the At the the work and the person and the work of Christ, specifically as it's related to the cross. And then we're going to look at sanctification, which is the application of the cross to the development of our personal purity. You're going to find out there are people that, that try to tell us what we should do as far as our personal purity. And sometimes it goes against what Scripture says, or it goes beyond what Scripture says. And that's what we're going to be looking at, those two particular aspects of it. So we're going to be dealing with the theology of salvation in the first part of this uh, this verses 8 through 15. And then if we get into it, the, the theology of sanctification, which will be from verses 16 through verse 29, or excuse me, verse 19. So uh, normally, Paul doesn't separate between the death and the resurrection of Christ, but he does have to do a little bit of that here in order for us to to unpack what he's talking about with it comes to uh, uh, the um, the idea of salvation and sanctification. Um, so because the, the false teachers were attacking Paul's teaching regarding both conversion and Christian growth, Paul has to discuss each aspect of that, and that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be unpacking this. Additionally, he's going to be talking about the idea these two concerns come with the the concept of worshiping angels and practicing the law. I won't go into it, but there is a chiasmic pattern here. I know you guys love chiasmic patterns. I won't go into them, but they, we do find that in verses 9, 10, and 15, and verses 11, 12, and 13, and 14, just to throw it in there to give you a little something to chew on at your own leisure. So we come up to this first aspect of that Paul does not want us to. Um, uh, That's term he uses here. Uh, I see that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles. All right, so we're going to be spending some time here. This idea of, let me ask you, is Paul saying that philosophy is bad, that we should never study philosophy? Is that what he's saying? Oh. One's one says no, George. I think you nailed it on the head. You'll I'll, I'll let
2: you speak for everyone. I'll go with no. I'll go with no. Okay,
0: oh, oh, good. good, good. <laughs> yeah, there, there is this, there is this aspect to which there is philosophy in and of itself is not bad. It's bad when it goes against what Scripture teaches. Yeah. Then it's bad philosophy. So the idea of hollow and 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 deceptive philosophy it could could be even translated this way it could be philosophy and empty deceit so it's philosophy that basically tells you lies is there philosophy out there that tells us lies today oh Oh, yeah yeah. oh guys i'm amazed at some of the stuff that we swallow you know as as a society so there are three aspects uh, of uh, philosophy that he's describing here he describes um it describes human and elementary and then non-Christian philosophies, and so the first human philosophy. This is you know depends on human tradition. Basically, this is teaching that represents uh, man's attempts to arrive at the truth, and uh, there and and can we arrive at truth? By Through philosophy, sure, it'd be like by observing the the world and coming to the conclusion there is a creator. But when we realize that we we need more than that, we're just trying to determine more truth, there reaches a point where philosophy can't take us any
1: further. It reaches a, an end. Yeah. That's a theophasy. That's what? Theophasy. Theophysie, okay. The study of God. The, well, theology Theo. is the yeah, study. Theo,
0: yeah. Theology right. the study of God, yeah.
1: Which well, is, but it comes from a human mind. Yeah. Theophasy, it's is from a human mind rather than from God to us. That's why philosophy is not good when we try to uh, describe God according to a whims. Yes, rather according to
0: him. If we if we try to to take philosophy beyond what it can reveal to us, without the without divine truth added to it, <coughs> it's going to be very destructive. I, yeah. I'm amazed at sometimes at some of the stuff when you we have you know we send people to to counselors and some of the the things the counselors tell them just absolutely floor me sometimes because it is so opposite of what the Bible says. And then they wonder why sometimes why their lives get messed up. All right. So this, there's the aspect of human, the human element of this. And then there's a, an additional one. It's called elementary or uh, I think in the, in the NIV, it's um, uh, basic principles. Uh, basic principles is, is a, is an interesting idea. It, there are several different uh, roads that this goes down. One is the idea of the four basic elements of earth, earth, wind, and fire. Earth, wind, fire, and water. Uh, and then those are the four elements and sometimes those elements are designed into things like zodiac uh, teaching or being uh, really concerned about the, the study of the planets uh, or the elements of things that's an aspect of which can be a real problem when we start develop saying okay we're going to rely on the on the stars to tell us what we should do or we're going to rely on on uh, uh the zodiac you know and, and we're going to let it tell us our future those are problems that are that we're going to have you know i'm amazed at some of the stuff <laughs> i used to read it and the more i read it the more I, the more i thought it was it was kind of crazy so i stopped reading it years ago but i i was amazed at some of the stuff they would tell you and i go well yeah that's not this, you know, you're going to have a really good day today or you're about to, uh, to go on a trip. Yeah, yeah, really? Seriously. And I'm going to read what into that? Anything I want. So uh, <laughs> additionally, the other aspect is is the, the pagan aspect takes the four elements. And, and from that, they, they also draw out of that uh, uh, demonic worship, actually, to be honest with you. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But there, there, the other aspect of that is this aspect of philosophy from, uh, from the Jewish perspective. And uh, this is a perspective that um, uh, oh, um, Philo, as an example, uh, de- deals with this. Um, he is a contemporary, by the way, if you've not read any of him, he is a contemporary of um, Josephus. Who is a person that we often uh, uh, talk about, and uh, some of his writings back in the first century. But in the idea of this, this idea of uh, Philo is uh, uh, they uh, they co- they thought that they would combine uh, philosophy with ecstatic experience. Um, Josephus was a Palestinian Jew who wrote to non-Palestinian Gentiles, but. Uh, he even called and and philo and and josephus both would call uh judaism philosophy now it, it could be taken that way especially if you're just dealing with grappling with moral and ethical issues but it's you know our our faith in christ is beyond that and uh and so you have to be careful about that um when you're, if you're not careful, you'll run into problems with philosophy, especially when you say that it's only dealing, especially with theology, dealing only with ethical issues or moral issues. Is that all the is that all the Christianity's about? Just a series of moral issues and
2: theology. Yeah. Oh, be be easy if it was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. Then I have to decide, well, which guy is, is right in their, their theology or their, their philosophy, right?
2: Yeah. From a cultural standpoint, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I have a a problem (laughs) just trying to figure out sometimes theology, let alone trying to figure out philosophy.
3: Val, there's a definition that I just pulled off of Google. That was, I like the way that they wrote it. It said philosophy is a way of thinking about the world, the universe, and society. And I just replaced that with that, uh, the word, the words, worldview.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are different worldviews, and a Christian worldview is very different than a uh, secular worldview, isn't it?
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. This whole idea well, of what's right and what's wrong sometimes gets oh. turned on its head in yeah. philosophy.
3: With some of is the kids, it, it kind of bugs <laughs> me that, like, one of the most important issues is recycling it's more important than salvation but maybe it's it's not just from just from the young girl i talked to with the same last name as me so
0: yeah yeah we want to save we want to save the world not not realizing that the world is going to be saved by other things giuseppe i love those fingers those are great
1: (laughs) you got a little hangnail on the one yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh man all right so the the last thing is philosophy that's non-christian and we've actually kind of touched on this but it's the idea of things that are not according to scripture and i'm amazed at how often we accept philosophy in our church that is non-christian and I would again come back to this and say, when you hear something from the pulpit, and I'm not speaking about any one particular church or particular person here, okay? So I'm not I don't have no axe to grind with anybody today. But when we hear something, you need to check the scripture. You need to find out is that truly what the scripture says? You know, or is it something different? I had my my wife handed me an article last night and And this goes back to my way back in my early years of of uh, ministry when I was uh, trained at uh, at Bob Jones, I was taught a particular uh, a set of ideas about whether or not and and the issue of should you have a hymnal or not? Hmm. Well, there was this huge article that that was written by a person who owns a uh, a publishing company that publishes hymnals that, that gave you all the reasons why you should have a hymnal. <laughs> now that was fine. I had no and, and they they made some good points in some of the things they said, but in that entire article, there was not one thing that was scripturally supported. Hmm. There was not one passage of scripture even mentioned in their argument. It was all human thought. And again, the problem with human thought is that sometimes it's just wrong. Yep. Mm -hmm. And my, my wife says, what do you think? I said, I scanned it. I go, well, first of all, where's the scripture to back any of this up? I said, now they make some good points, but the points that they make are all based on Western theology and specifically Western church history. They have nothing to do, it has nothing to do with what the bible actually says about hymns or about music it just doesn't there's no there's no scriptural background to what they've said so while i might agree with some of it in part i'm gonna have to disagree with it in general because they haven't given me and you know the and i was reading the comments and people were going on and on about how wonderful it was and i'm going how do i write this person and tell them that i disagree with them i don't disagree with some of their points but i disagree with their 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 logic, because they're not using Scripture. Well, you know, I won't, because if I do, I'll take a—I'll be in this huge argument with this person, and I'm not going to—I'm not going to change their mind. But I also thought it was kind of interesting that—that I think that it was really interesting that they were pushing hymnals, and of course, they had just published a brand new hymnal, and I'm going, "Oh, yeah." Do you think there's a reason why this might be here? It has absolutely nothing to do with theology. But it has how they a whole lot find to do with scripture, my pocketbook.
3: Uh, how they going to find scripture references to hymnals when there were no hymnals when the scriptures were written I,
0: my one of my points yes yeah and and then they were talking about you know harmonization and how important harmonization is and I'm going, yeah if, if harmonization was important, the psalms would have been notated with notes, you know musical notes the psalms mm-hmm. are is a is a hymnal that that was scripture set to music there are no notes there's a reason for that we would sound like middle eastern music some of us mm. like that some of us don't that's cultural all right yeah i just found it interesting that we, we tend to make you know non-christian ideas as our philosophy and and our the way that we're going to live our lives or our pocketbook as the case may be because that's gonna make it important for us. And I'm going, yeah, sometimes you just have to learn to trust God.
3: Well, there are, you know, Val, there are so many things in organized religion. I mean, not, not to pick on Catholicism, but there are so many things in Catholicism that cannot be tied to scripture. I yeah. mean, they're really they're tied to the history of, that, of the church, of the Roman Catholic Church.
0: Which is one of the reasons why they talk about that you, you, you need to not only uh, have the authority of the scripture, but the authority of tradition. Mm-hmm. Tradition becomes very important because you can prove your point with tradition.
1: Oh, right. So when I am in the forest and I'm singing to the Lord, I better be careful that I'm in tune.
0: <laughs> yeah, why I have a mean to talk to you about that, Giuseppe? but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was. it's one of the problems that we have with our, uh, you know, our uh, broadcast. I don't know if you, I've been in the in church and listened to a, a you know, a particular uh, message or particular Sunday's message the entire set. Then I've gone home occasionally and I've wanted to re-listen to it, and so I will pull up the, um, uh, you know, the video of that service, and I'm amazed at how poorly tuned they are to the, you know, the quality of the of the broadcast of, of the music is not as good as when you're there live. It's amazing. And it requires two different sets of um, of um, studio engineers to do that. <laughs> but anyhow. All right. So uh, philosophy can be a problem. False philosophy can be wow. a huge problem. There's a guy by the name, Ambr- Ambrose um, Bryce, who defined philosophy as a route uh, of which many roads leading from nowhere to nothing, I thought that was a good philo- a good uh, definition of philosophy so um, paul is is here, um, is here talking about the rejection
3: Wait the aborigines are
2: voiding in
1: okay <laughs> that's empty deceit empty deceit. <laughs>
2: That
0: sounded like a bitery do. You, you, yeah, it did sound that way a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, r- don't use this this idea of 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 empty philosophy or uh, bad philosophy as being being proof text to have not, to not study philosophy. I think philosophy is important to study, and I think much like science, there are things that philosophy can teach us that science can't. There's also things that theology teaches us that science and philosophy can't teach us. you got to be careful how that, that comes together. So, all right. Uh, I have probably worn out your, your, idea, your willingness to accept any more talk about philosophy. So, let's go on to, in Christ, uh, all the fullness of deity uh, lives in bodily form um what does that mean what 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 does fullness mean
2: completeness
0: completeness okay anything else
2: they' one and the same
0: one and the same okay anything else these are good. So it, I think the fullness is is that it really kind of describes the totality of the emanations from a deity, which is uh, important. But in the context, uh, it's I think we need to realize that, that Paul means the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And it goes back to the passage in the Gospels where the, the disciples say, show us God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. It's kind of hard to believe that you can put all. Here's the other thing on that. It, from a theological perspective, that's kind of hard to, to, to fully comprehend and grasp. All of God abides in Christ and all of humanness abides in Christ. Wow. Uh, that Think about that for me. How do you, how does God, how, how does God the Son, how is God the Son contained in the human body? I don't know. How does humanity and God exist together in one person? Two natures, one person. Again, I, I don't have a clue. But that's what God, that's what Paul is trying to teach us here. And he's decided, he wants to realize, <laughs> to realize it exists in bodily form. The tie between God the Father and, and Jesus Christ is that they share in the fact that they are deity, they are
1: God. That I it. Yeah, go ahead. I think, I, I think it has to do for us. I think Paul is trying to put it in perspective to his audience, which is us, not only the Colossians. Uh, By the way, guys, God and his immense love for you and me decided, they decided in a way that we can comprehend who God is, to put them in a body which we do not consider all, that you can comprehend of him. We have to remember one thing: nobody can see God and live according to the Old Testament. So uh, how you can, like you were saying, uh, put God in a human form is it's almost like a diminishing in itself but not in the way that we think they diminish himself. Because when we, d- we think they diminish himself, oh, it's just, it just another person, it's just another uh, 170 pound, six foot, five foot, whatever. Uh, to see that everything of God is in a body, it's a kind of that when we limit God to you and me, rather than realizing that, because of the love they want to show us, it decided, maybe this way they'll understand better. Maybe this way they will come closer to me, because I'm coming closer to them, in their terms, almost. Because in his terms, uh, I guess we, we, we cannot compare because we will be dead, in a way. So, because, and He proved to us, who He is, by doing the miracles, by resurrecting people, by resurrecting Himself, and we don't even understand how in the world that Jesus will go up to the mountain and pray, the entire night, not three minutes or five minutes, like when we have a breakfast, lunch and dinner, you know. Uh, And that is tremendous what he described here. Just Mm -hmm. in case you saw him, you don't need any other proof, you don't need any other, because it it cannot be, it cannot be, you know, the way you, you want to describe it. It's like me having an idea of God, and pushing it to you, and that's the only way, but God decided in some way to show his love for us, and that's why Jesus was born by his will, not by human man will, and that's what I stopped. Okay so. I think one of the things additionally
0: that Paul was addressing here was that there was uh, the concept of God was very fluid in the ancient world. We had God's plural. Uh, We also had uh, the Stoics that believed in a pantheistic type of God in the sense that that, uh, they spoke of deity as being filled by all things. And others said that the that, that, that deity was in all things, which is, again, pantheism. All right, God, you know, Paul is saying here, no, that's not the case. That all of the fullness, everything that speaks of who God is, his manifest rule, his power, his knowledge, his uh, wisdom, his uh, uh his uh, 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 presence, everything is wrapped up in God, the son. That, that is, that's kind of, that's heavy. And we can spend spend a lot of time just trying to get our heads wrapped around (laughs) that. I'll tell you this, that I've, I've spent some time this week thinking about it and it makes my head hurt. (laughs) No, I, I just can't quite
2: –
0: I've had – for a long time, I've thought that the ancient r- writers and, and many of our theologians from, from uh, uh, early Christianity were a lot smarter than, than we are today. Um, part of that I've come to realize is the fact that they come from the, – the early theologians in, in the church – were Eastern thinkers, they were not Western thinkers. So, you know, in the West, we are very concrete in the way that we think things through. In the East, it's much more fluid. So it's a lot easier for an Eastern concept, for an Eastern thought process to understand Trinity than it is for a Western mindset. We can't, we can't. The other thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the other thing is, To me, it's in the present tense, or in him dwells. Yeah. It's continuously when the pantheistic, the so-called so so many gods, those gods and those ideas, they change. He doesn't change.
0: Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever.
1: So, uh, just in case, uh, he was born, and the God that dwelled in him, he lived, and dwelled in him. Yes. He died and dwelled in him. He rose again and dwelled in him. By the way, sitting at, at the right hand of God for our understanding, and he still dwells in him. So, mm-hmm. what else you want? <laughs> it's all, and the beauty is, and you are completing him.
0: Notice that it was as we go in verse 10, it says that. In you, and you have been given the fullness of Christ. It's not just that in God, in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells, but we've been given the fullness of Christ. This is the same word that comes, uh, that's used in verse 9, same root word. The understanding of salvation may grow, and the appropriation of blessings of salvation may increase, but in Christ, we already have the full, full salvation. It isn't like we're we don't have it all. We've been given everything. We just haven't grown into it yet. That's part of I mean that that if I wasn't blown by the first part of it, I'm certainly blown by this part. That God says that in that we have all of Christ's fullness in us. Everything our standing before God cannot change. We are the same standing that Christ has before wow. God. Is that not crazy? Yeah. Does that <laughs> not blow your mind? Okay, I'm the only one that did that. No, one has hard time <laughs> it does. I'm glad you guys can understand it because I, I just like, you got to be kidding me because I know what I'm like. And God has given me a position. That before him is the same position that I'll always have. I'll always be his son. He goes on to say that 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 not only that 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 we have been given the fullness of Christ, but we talk about the fact that He is the head over every power and authority. Um, scholars have debated what does this term "head" mean. Does it imply uh, the the source of all of 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 the powers and authorities that exist, or is it, or is it Christ's position of authority? Which is it? And I say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it easier sometimes to just go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna start thinking. I need to start thinking more Eastern in my thought process and go. Yeah, I accept both.
1: So you mean uh, God created evil too
0: no no god created <laughs> the possibility of evil god had to allow for evil to exist if he was going to allow for man to have free will i know
3: mm. i, you I see, know, somebody I'm just will,
0: helping you you know i know you're trying to but I'm, i want to make sure that that we understand that
1: no yeah some people will come to that conclusion yeah it says so he created evil too no the thing is the same thing that happened tragically to adam and eve he happened to the created being which are the angels the angels are not god actually the angels were and are our servants according to the bible so we were created and they were created with a understanding of obedience towards god to have a pleasure with God, not to go and do their own things, but not to be constrained, like the whatever philosophy or religion around the world constrain you and me to a set of rules and a set of uh, capricious so-called gods, you know. And God is not capricious, by the way.
0: He's not, okay, that's good to hear.
1: God like me and you, we
0: we, I I am still struggling with the idea that that Christ is has power over everything. God is God, the Father has given him control, right? His creation. Well, yes.
2: Okay, so we've gone from an invisible un, unseen God to a right. physical, in your faith God. So why would you expect him not to have all the power?
0: Uh, Well, because he's human. (laughs) I mean, it's the whole idea. How do you you put a God who is infinite into a finite being? Yeah. I can't figure it out. All I can tell you is that it's apparently true. That's what
2: scripture says.
0: I got to believe it.
2: Well, I got another question. Does it matter? that you don't believe that or can't figure that out.
0: Well, now that's a whole nother set of, of that's a whole nother. <laughs>
2: let's,
0: let's unpack it a little bit. Is, is it necessary? Now I'll expand on your question a bit, uh, Edwin. Is it necessary for us to understand everything about who Christ is and about what the Bible says for us to be saved?
2: No, no. That's no. why you have faith.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, one of the things that that people often ask is, "Well, do I have to believe this, this, and this, and this in order to accept Christ as my Savior?" I go, "No, you have to believe that one, He's God the Son. Two, that He that He came and was born, lived a sinless life, died for your your salvation, and and God rose raised Him from the dead." There's a whole pro. The, the gospel is. Christ died for us, Christ was buried, and Christ rose again.
2: Yeah, that's the whole gospel.
0: That's the gospel. Right. That's what you have to believe. Let God deal with all of the other stuff afterwards. Deal with that first. What are you going to do with Jesus? It's like the old, there's an old, old gospel song, gospel hymn. used to say, what will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking What will he do with me? So what do you believe about that? Did Christ die for our sins? Was he buried? Did he rise again? And that's what we're going to get into next week when we talk about the idea of the difference between circumcision and baptism and why circumcision and why baptism and what is spiritual circumcision versus physical circumcision. And how does that relate to baptism and to resurrection and all of that other stuff? That's all going to come next week.
2: <laughs> it's starting to sound like a radio serial.
0: Yeah. <laughs> tune in next week. As we
2: do. <laughs> you, don't have a, you don't have a book to sell, do you? <laughs>
3: no, I wish I did. At Val? That's, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't what we're talking about here, this, the fullness of the deity, was in the bodily form? If you go back to uh, chapter 1, verse 22,
0: mm-hmm. where if it go says, Go back to the, the, song, the
3: hymn. Okay, but he, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body
0: Yeah.
3: To death to present you holy and in his sight. And then to Mike's point, if you continue in your faith, established and firm not moved from the hope held out by the gospel this is the gospel that you've heard has been proclaimed to you so i mean it those i i see those things very tied yeah. together
0: yeah, very tied together you're right very good all right time gets a gold star today
3: mm-hmm.
2: there's also that scripture, isaiah that there's that i always tell people like that when we see christmas time it says for you, a son is given, a child is born, a son is given. That's both of them right there. God gave his son, and he's in, he's in the presence of a child. That's yeah, sort of sorry. simple, but that's an easy that way, way to it do it.
0: That's, that's the beauty of, of uh, our faith, is that it's so simple. A child can accept it, and so deep that the, the greatest thinker of all time will never be able to fathom its depths.
2: You know, like Socrates thought he says i uh, I do not know how deity can forgive sin <laughs> he saw the problem he just didn't know the answer
0: yeah yeah well it comes back again to the whole aspect of you know God's uh, love for us and God's holiness and how does he use both of those how does he figure both those out in order to still be true to both both parts of his of His
2: personhood, yeah. My question today I woke up thinking, This is really nuts. I woke up thinking today, Why did God put a tree there? If there wasn't a tree, then Satan would have said, Eat from the tree,
0: yeah. Then he would have said, Eat from the vine or something. And then, I don't then, know, then it would have been, then Eat all grass, of us are, yeah, or grass. <laughs> yeah. sure.
1: I don't yeah. know,
3: so you could rake leaves. Rake <laughs> Well, that is the key, Val. It, it it is. It's all about love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: And, I mean, and, and today's verse, in my uh, when I open it up, is a new command I give you: love one another. is I have loved you, so you must love one another.
0: Yeah. Yep. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one towards another. And First John says, "How can you say that you love God, if you don't love the brother, the brethren?" Yeah, so that's a that's a tough verse for some of us.
2: Yeah, but then I see myself that like that phone and James where good and evil comes out of the phone.
0: Yep. How does that work? You know, how does that not work? Supposed to, not supposed to be like that.
2: Right.
0: We're going to get into this whole aspect of the new nature and all of that in, the, in the, hopefully this next week. Uh, I got my work cut out for me. I am ready for all this, but I got my work cut out for me because I got to get through the rest of this chapter uh, to be prepared for us in case we in case we go further than I think we will. Be nice to get through the rest of what's the rest of it? Let's see, 22. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll get it prepared. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for you know joining us this morning. I'm gonna
2: cut us off as far as our recording goes here. And, um,